Welcome to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode of It's Time, we'll listen to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of 2 Samuel. This book is especially important as it focuses entirely on the life of King David, the line of Christ. Examining the triumphs and troubles of David, we can learn a lot about being a person after God's own heart. With the timely study on 2 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of 2 Samuel. And we'll be looking at chapter 12 tonight, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Now, we left off uh, towards the end of this chapter last, so we'll pick this story up where we left off. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. And we just ask you now that as we would read this, God, that we would see the principles and understand better, God, this principle of sowing and reaping. And so, God, we thank you now for the opportunity we have to um, remember these things. Lord, call them to memory as needed. And we thank, again thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We remember David uh, had his uh, wild fling with Bathsheba. And we remember Nathan the prophet came by and addressed this situation with David, saying that he would never have any peace in his household. And we find this in uh, verse 11 of chapter 12. He says, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives from before your eyes, give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. So very, very strong proclamation against David because he had Uriah, this woman's husband, killed as he uh, got her pregnant, and then he tried to make him believe it was his kid, and he wouldn't go home. And so finally he just uh, had Uriah killed. And uh, so uh, God saw this, and God pronounced judgment on him. Well, We find here, as we pick up the story where we left off, verse 26. Now Joab fought against Rabbah of the people of Ammon and took the royal city. Now uh, the Ammonites were always enemies of Israel. Uh, They were always attacking Israel. And we remember that even David uh, went uh, to the Kenites' defense when the people of Ammon came and attacked their city. Uh, and uh, David was successful in retrieving all the Kenites' goodies, and uh, uh, David felt pretty comfortable uh, with the people of, uh, you know, he was kind of, again, the war hero, killed Goliath and all, and now he delivered the Kenites. Uh, This was um, quite a few years after he'd killed Goliath, of course, Uh, and um, uh, Saul heard that he was coming to kill him, so we remember David prayed and said, would the Kenites give me over to uh, Saul's hand to have me killed? And God says, yeah, sure, they sure would. And so that's when I think David got really angry with Israel and left and really went to dwell in the land of the Philistines until um, Saul actually died. And then we find that David then came back. But uh, the people of Ammon were always troubling Israel. And so now Joab goes out, commander of the army goes out and attacks uh, the, uh, the Ammonites and uh, takes their principal city. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah and I have taken the city's water supply, which means simply this, they're not going to last long. <laughs> Uh, again, there's two things a city needs to exist, and that's water and food. 
And if you can either cut off either one of those or both, uh, it won't be long before the city will fall. And so Joab uh, sends word to David saying that I've taken uh, the enemy's water supply. Now therefore gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it lest the city, lest I take the city and it be called after my name. Now this is real interesting friends and this is something that you see in Joab at this particular point. Uh, of that of loyalty. Now, uh, again, uh, Joab could have taken the city and he would have been the war hero, but he sends a message to David and said, listen, David, bring your army out, camp against it, and then it'll look like you captured it and you'll get the credit for it. Um, and, and I think this is good because uh, Joab was actually trying to really, you might say, promote um, uh, promote David. Uh, and, and so uh, David was, uh, you know, and, and you'll find that sometimes uh, within companies or whatever that, um, uh, you know, you, you know, you don't, there's always that of trying to cut the person in front down. Well, Joab in this particular case went and did what he could do to uh, promote David in, in this way. So it kind of shows that uh, Joab, at least at this time, was, was behind David. Uh, we do see it change in the next chapter. And so that's why I think it's noteworthy that um, the exploits that Job did, he was trying to make sure that David got the credit for it. Um, and so we find now that uh, uh, David gathered all the people together, verse 29, and went to Rabbah, fought against it, and took it. Uh, he took the, uh, the king's crown from his head. The weight of it was a talent of gold, or about 91 pounds, so pretty heavy crown. Um, it was filled with precious stones, and they sat it on David's head. I, I would probably say not for very long. Uh, you'd have some severe vertebrae problems <laughs> with a crown like that. But it, actually, it was a showpiece, and that would be what, what they'd come out and uh, demonstrate that. So it was set on David's head, and he brought it out, uh, brought out the spoil of the city in great abundance, and he brought out the people who were in it, all the Ammonites, put them to work with saws and iron picks and iron axes, and made them cross over the, uh, to the brickworks, and so he did with all the cities of the people of Ammon. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. And so basically he took the people of Ammon, uh, the ones that uh, were not killed, uh, and made them slaves. Uh, and again, because of the Ammonites' cruelty towards Israel over the years, uh, we find that uh, David does this. Now, after this, it was so that Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister. Now this is interesting here because as we remember back in verse 11 of the chapter we just read, uh, that there wasn't going to be any peace in David's house because of what he did. Now, one of the problems that you have, again, friends, is you have several issues here. Um, David, because of what he did with, uh, with really, and I think ultimately the problem was with Uriah, but uh, having him murdered. But uh, as, as you look at this, uh, and then he marries Bathsheba, uh, the problem is, is that Every wife, and David had many wives, every wife wanted her son to be the, uh, the, the next king over Israel. Now, it, maybe it wasn't the firstborn of David, but it might have been the firstborn to her. And so you have all these women that are married to David, all having sons and all wanting uh, her son to be on the throne. So you can imagine that this was not probably a very happy house. Uh, especially uh, at, at holiday seasons because everybody was chiding with each other and there was problems. What happened though in, when David did this and it became known to everybody what David had done, a lot of people uh, view of David fell because again, David uh, was now a murderer. 
He was a full-blown adulterer. Uh, and and uh, um, uh, he uh, tried to cover it up. So he was in a way lying, you might say, as well. And so a, a lot of faith, I think, in, within David's own home had failed. Now, again, this is one of the reasons why men need to be the leader of their household and not give any reason for uh, their family to look at them uh, any other way. Now, again, I realize that uh, we're all people and we're going to fail. Uh, a lot of times it's what you do when you fail. Now, again, I think maybe if David would have confessed up right when he did what he did uh, before he killed uh, Bathsheba's husband, uh, that might have been a lot better off. But the problem is David uh, in, endeavored to try to cover it. And the more he tried to cover it uh, by bringing uh, Uriah home from the battlefield and trying to get him home uh, to get, go home and spend some time with Bathsheba so she, he'd think that the kid is his uh, um, and he wouldn't do. So he even was getting him drunk, trying to get him to go home. No matter what he did, so finally, again, we remember the story from last week, sent him back out to the battlefield with his death warrant in his hand. Of course, it was sealed, and he didn't know that. The, 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 the uh, death warrant basically said, get the battle hot, retreat, and let Uriah be killed. Um, well, again, uh, a lot of people lost a lot of confidence in David at that point, people in his own home. And so it's interesting here. It says, now, it was so that Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Now, this would then been his half-sister. This is from one of the other wives, uh, uh, David um, having Absalom, and then one of the other wives, of course, uh, having Amnon, uh, uh, now uh, sees uh, this um, uh, sister of, of Absalom. And so it says, Amnon was so distressed over uh, his sister that he became sick, for she was a virgin, and so it was improper for Ammon to do anything to her. Now, it is interesting here that um, you basically have uh, incest. And under Levitical law, at this particular case, it was illegal. And yet, uh, we find Amnon, uh, blinded by his lusts, wanted to take whatever he could get. Now, you find something interesting here. You find Amnon treating Tamar the same way David treated Bathsheba. And so you reap what you sow. And, uh, you know, we find that in the New Testament where the Bible says whatever you sow is what you reap. And so now uh, David has set into motion uh, a chain of events that now are, are going to catch up with him in his, in his household. So it says here that he was uh, sick. He was so lustful after her. Uh, see, the, the word here is love, but we know that it was lust as we read on in the story. But, you know, a lot of people don't know the difference. And I think that's kind of interesting. And, and uh, surely that as you would look at this, you'll see that as time reveals things, it really reveals the real motive of, of a lot of times our emotions that we have. A lot of times we don't always know uh, what we want, do we? Uh, and uh, so uh, blinded by his passions, you might say, uh, he became sick. We'll find out that he became actually um, anorexic, you might say. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, and David's brother. Now, Jonadab was a crafty man. And he said to him, why are you, the king's son, becoming thinner and thinner every day? Will you not tell me? And Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. 
And when your father comes to see you, say to him, please tell my sister Tamar to come and and give me some food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat it from her hand. Now, again, you find uh, Johanadab here uh, uh, is a scoundrel uh, making up a story and to entrap uh, this poor girl. And so Ammon then lays down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Ammon said to the king, or that would be David, Please let Tamar, my sister, uh, come and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight that I may eat them from her hand. And David sent home to Tamar saying, Now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house and he was lying there. And she took the flour and kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, baked uh, the cakes. And she took the pan and placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Ammon said, have everyone go out from me. And they all went out from him. So evidently, uh, the king's servants and, and all that were uh, there in the household. So it wasn't just Amnon and uh, uh, Tamar that were there. There were probably other people in the household as well. And so uh, Ammon now uh, sets forth his plan and says, uh, have everybody else leave. And so they all went out. Verse 10. Ammon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them to Amnon, her brother, in, in, in his bedroom. Now when she had brought them in to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. Now some people think that the Bible isn't kind of X-rated. Well, here we have it. Uh, and so uh, you find now her being um, raped, actually, is what this is actually going to, what going to lead to. And she said to him, No, my brother, don't force me. For no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. Again, it was against Levitical law to do this. It was too close in the, in the family. Now somebody say, well, what about before the law uh, and in the condition with Abraham, with his half-sister? Or you might even go back even farther, Cain and Abel. Uh, or maybe we should say uh, uh, Cain and, you know, the only question, where did Cain get his wives or where did the other... Well, the, the gene pool by then uh, was still okay. But by the time of the Levitical law writing, uh, it was unlawful to marry uh, people this close in relative to you. And so uh, this is why she was saying, look, what you're doing is irrational and what you're doing is foolish. So it didn't seem to matter to him. He was blinded by his, uh, by his um, lust, you might say. So uh, two things, notice uh, that no, no, no thing should be done in Israel because it was against the Levitical law. And do not do this disgraceful thing because it would be found out. Again, it says in verse 13, And I, where could I take my shame? And as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. He said, listen, if you want me that bad, uh, you go talk to dad about it and we'll see what he'll do. Now, again, friends, you have to remember something um, just to kind of put this in a little better perspective. Um, It may very well be that Amnon uh, never really was raised in the same household with Tamar at all. Um, uh, Ammon could have been a, a little bit older. Um, uh, we, we know that uh, maybe Tamar came on the scene and, and uh, um, you know, he, it says that he had his own house. So uh, he could have been maybe in his uh, late 20s, early 30s. And, and she may have only been 16 or 17 years old. So uh, not necessarily raised in the same home. This isn't uh, something. But you've got to remember, Dave had several homes because he had several wives. 
And so this con- they all didn't live in the same house together. And so generally speaking, they all had their own area in which they dealt with. Now, uh, a lot of people say, why don't we have polygamy today? I think this is a pretty good reason why. I think, you, get, you know, it's like that, uh, have you ever saw, saw the movie, The Gods Must Be Crazy? And the old guy goes, uh, says, well, in order to get a girlfriend, you've got to look good and smile a lot. And he says, well, he said, if you know so much about women, where are all your, your girlfriends? He goes, girlfriends? I've been married five times. And he goes, well, where are they? And he goes, well, all I know how to do is marry them. No one knows how to live with them. Well, uh, the thing is, is that we, we find a lot of times that uh, we have these different issues uh, in life that um, I, I believe that, that kind of give us an indication why certain things are, are not uh, going on today. Why, again, the Bible set it up originally uh, that it was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Eve and Sarah and John, you know, all this kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I, 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 again, this is one of the reasons why, because you have immense trouble uh, within the home, and certainly we find it here. She says, ask the king, and he won't withhold you from me. Now, most likely he would have because it would have been against Levitical law. But uh, in order to try to buy her some time and get out of this tough uh, situation, um, uh, this is what she told him. Verse 14, however, he would not heed her voice. uh, And being stronger than she, he forced her uh, to lay with her. And so he raped her. Then verse 15, it says, then Ammon hated her exceedingly. So that the hatred in which he hated her was greater than the love which he had loved her. And Ammon said to her, Arise and be gone. Now, in other words, he got what he wanted. Again, this shows the fickleness of man. It shows that we don't always know what we want. Caught up with the guilt uh, and associating the guilt with, um, the, uh, with her because of what he did. Now uh, she's repulsive in his sight. So a lot of times, uh, you know, I think that, uh, again, mom, sometimes you can point out to your, to, your, to your kids. Just say, well, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, the old saying, if you love me, you'll let me. Well, uh, what you can say to them is basically this, that, um, uh, again, uh, they'll associate that with, uh, with guilt, and that's the last thing you want. So, again, it's better to be a desirable a prize than a conquered uh, past. And so, again, this was the problem that poor Tamar uh, in, uh, was, was confronted with here uh, after her bro- half-brother raped her. And so she said to him, No, indeed, this evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. Now again, because he was blinded by his lusts, uh, now he's, um, he, he is under his convictions about what he did wrong. And so rather than trying to resolve it. Now, it's interesting also that we find that, um, uh, you know, just as uh, David did to Bathsheba, so we find now this interesting picture here. Verse 17, Then he called his servant who attended him and said, Here, put this woman out away from me and bolt the door behind her. Now she had a robe of many colors, for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel. And his servants put her out and bolted the door behind her. Now, uh, you know, I mean, you can imagine how Tamar felt after being raped and then being thrown out of the house and hearing the bolt uh, lock behind you. Then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her and, and, and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. It's interesting, the graphic um, 
a picture that we find here that she, you know, put her hand on her head and, you know, just went away and it just so totally distressed. And Ammon, her brother, or excuse me, Absalom, her brother said to her, has Ammon, your brother, been with you? You know, it's interesting that he recognized um, that something not only was wrong, of course, because of her torn clothes and the ashes, but I think he had a suspect against Ammon all along. And so he asked that. But now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. It's, it's uh, in, in, interesting here that, that the devastation that was done uh, to her. Verse 21. But when King David heard of these things, he became very angry. And needless to say, and did nothing. Now, the reason why I believe he couldn't do anything is because he was already guilty of it himself. What could he do? I mean, after all, any judgment that he would pass upon Absalom for doing, or maybe I should say for, tame, or for, uh, uh, for him doing what he did, <clears throat> um, Amnon, what could he do? He was guilty of the same exact crime. So really he was powerless to correct a problem in his house because he was guilty of the same thing. See, this is a problem sometimes when parents go in and they try to correct their children for doing drugs and they're doing drugs themselves. Uh, This creates a problem because they see obviously the double standard and, and they go, well, you know, you're trying to get me to stop and you won't stop. So uh, again, uh, you know, it's the old saying, I try to teach my kids how to eat and they still eat like I do. You know, it's the same problem that that we do. Now, again, you you see this, that um, David was pretty much um, angry, as it says here, but he was pretty much powerless to do anything about it. And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. Now, what's interesting here is, is uh, Absalom goes stealth. And he waits. He didn't say anything good. He didn't say anything bad. In other words, he was a, a poker player and he held his cards close. Uh, he wasn't revealing what he was going to do or didn't do or anything like that. Just acted like the whole thing probably didn't even happen. Came to pass, verse 23, after two full years. So notice the amount of time here that... Um, that had transpired between the actual act and when Absalom finally decided to do something about it. After two full years, Absalom had sheep shears in Baal Hazor, which is near Ephraim, and so Absalom invited all the king's sons. Then Absalom came to the king and said, Kindly note that your servant has sheep shears. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. It's kind of something to do. Of course, in those days, they didn't have television and they didn't have, uh, you know, a lot of things. And so uh, to go watch the shearing of the sheep was something kind of neat to do. And so, you know, to see what kind of bounty you brought in that year. And so he says, uh, have all the king's sons come down and we'll kind of check this out and kind of have a little party down there is what they were going to do. But the king said to Absalom, no, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be a burden to you. Then he urged him, but he would not go, and, so, and, and he blessed him. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him, and so Amnon and all the king's sons, uh, so he urged him, so he let all, Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. So in other words, he talked him in 
to uh, David into letting all the king's sons go down and watch the shearing of the sheep. Now Absalom uh, had, uh, had commanded his servants saying, Watch now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine. So this was one of the reasons why they were going. It was to watch the, you know, to watch the shearing of the sheep and uh, party time. You know, this is what they were doing. And so he says, listen, when he gets all drunk, drinking all the wine, when I say to you, strike Amnon and kill him, do not be afraid. I have not, have I not commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all of the king's sons arose, and each one got on his mule and fled. <laughs> Party's over. <laughs> People are dying. I'm out of here. And uh, so that's basically what, uh, what happened. Uh, in other words, Absalom set him up. Now, you find, interestingly enough, just as David killed Uriah, now you find Absalom killing Amnon. So you, you can begin to see this, this, this mere image flopping back and forth through David's family. And you're going to continue to see that, uh, again, because you reap what you sow. That's why you need to, again, be very careful about what you allow to come into your life. And that's Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River Christian Fellowship with Second Samuel on It's Time. If you'd like to have your own copy of today's episode, you can obtain one for free from the daily iTunes podcast. If you want a hard copy, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order. And while you do that, don't forget that 2 Samuel is part two of the first and second Samuel series available from the River Christian Fellowship. Please tune in next time for another relevant Bible study on It's Time.